Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello. Welcome from me, Ken Rundle, and Mark Tucker, head of agronomy with Yara. With harvest now over or frustratingly close to finishing for other folk, attention turns to getting next season crops sown and off to as good a start as possible. Nutrition is part of that strategy with phosphate and potash, P and K, very much to the fore. With so much to think about, it's understandable that some farmers keep things simple by repeating what they've done before and applying P and K at their usual rates. But Mark Tucker, you're warning against that IE done approach. Uh, yeah, really just, I guess, trying to um, get that farmer to stop and think more than anything in that you can get carried away just doing exactly what you've always done. Um, because it's simple and it's yeah you know it's well so it's not changed but um, they've probably got brain fade after harvest as well um, yes indeed yeah there's um, been a long stint and uh, quite a challenging year really hasn't it so yeah I'm sure there's um, yeah now is the time I think to just to stop think and reflect on are there some alternative approaches out there that you could be taking and I think that's the message really is uh, just stop and think evidence presumably is important here yeah absolutely um this isn't just a sort of gut reaction to things it's um yeah using the evidence that you've either got um on the farm so data driven decisions um from soils um or crops that you've had tested um we can just mention that in a minute ken but there are those different tests that we can be using but yeah really evidence-based and i think you know that would be our recommendation is you know that the systems and the approaches that we can think about when it comes to P&K management again have a lot of evidence behind them then there's trials comparing um, approaches being done over the last you know, numerous decades actually so good evidence base to the alternative approaches but also make use of the evidence that you have on the farm. Well, in very recent podcasts, I've been discussing testing of tissues and testing of grain. But you're saying soil tests here are, are probably the best option. I think they're definitely the starting point when it comes to P and K, um, just to see exactly what um, you've got in that soil. So taking it, getting it done through a accredited lab, and then that will give you an index system to be working from. What we do know is that, and if you've got some grain in the shed or you've had it tested, and particularly one of those nutrients you mentioned, phosphate, and that's there's some really good evidence now that that grain test for phosphate can be a great um, reference point. So if you've been doing what you've always done um, and that evidence, the grain test is showing that there's a, a phosphate deficiency or the crop's not been sufficiently supplied with phosphate, then that again gives you a really good starting point to think about perhaps taking a slightly different approach to see if you can then really influence that grain phosphate level for next harvest. Because the point here is that we don't, they don't necessarily need to apply the fertilizer now. You're suggesting that there could be alternatives. Yeah, you've got time. So, and I think that's critical. I mean, so now is you've got that time to soils are bare, crops have come off a um, bit of time between now and drilling um, next crops. So there's that time where you can get the soil tested and then take that result and work through some different approaches. And yes, if what if the test shows that um, you know you need that immediate phosphate because you've got low levels in the soil, 
then of course we can um, continue to do that. But if it shows that there isn't quite that need, then um, look at the alternatives and see what might be an option. And one of those would be spring applications. What are the benefits there? Yeah, I think that's that's really what we're sort of saying. And the focus is that timing of those P&K. Sometimes you can choose different rates um, because the test will show you that you've got a level of sufficiency there. So you might be able to come down on those rates. If you're starting to erode your index, then that might make you, again, put some of those application rates up. But the main um, sort of component or feature really is the timing. And one thing that we can see when it comes to autumn applied and particularly phosphate here then the soil can fix that phosphate up sort of within two three weeks of application which then means or renders it not available for that crop during the autumn and early spring um, when it needs some of that so switching that timing from an application from the autumn that you'll be doing now um, over the stubbles or into the seed bed, into that spring window of application, so late February, early March, then means that you're getting some fresh P&K, which is immediately available um, for that crop in the window when it's going to get most benefit from it. So, yeah, it's just that repositioning by switching the phosphate and the potash from the autumn application to the spring. And, of course, as we can mention in a minute, we've got numerous ways then of doing that either with those um, PNK products or with some NPK products that are out there. But obviously in the spring, soil temperature it becomes a key factor here. Yeah, and that's, the, I guess, the two nutrients there, PNK, K, then it's mobility is the issue. So if we put it on in the autumn, clearly mobility-wise, it's not likely to be there then in the spring because of the, the winter rains. So that's potassium, but phosphate is more down to fixing in the soil. And that's a very temperature uh, dependent process. So during the autumn, when the soils are warm, then you can get that fixation happening. Of course, those soils then cool down over December, January, um, and only start to warm up as we move through February and into March. But even at that timing, then typically a soil will still be down at probably, well, mid-February, it's going to be moving towards five degrees. That's when we see the crops start to grow, those fresh roots that appear at that five-degree temperature. But at that point, then phosphate, once you're below 10 degrees, then you've got very limited availability in soil solution. So the pool of phosphate that sits in soil solution can be quickly exhausted by that early spring growth from those sort of new roots that are appearing. So I think you can quickly exhaust that. Then that momentum of spring growth can be hampered because there isn't the phosphate cycle because of the cold soils happening to release some more into soil solutions. So, yeah, very temperature dependent. Of course, that as well is soil type driven. And um, Yes, I was going to say all farmers and agronomists will know the idiosyncrasies of their soils, but surely there will be a difference between sandy and clay for example yeah there are for sure there are differences in some ways the differences the 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 application can be the same but the reasons for doing it slightly different sandy soils you know are poor at holding nutrients so having an approach which means that um you're not relying on a store of nutrient because the sandy soil just can't do that then so applying those nutrients 
when they're required most by the crops to to improve efficiencies is in itself a good um, thing to be considering. In terms of those heavier clay soils, then they're great nutrient stores, but they tend to be cold and wet. And those cold, wet conditions are exactly the conditions when nutrient availability and specifically phosphate again are at their lowest during the season. So two different properties going on there, but good reasons to be and no no downside to moving that PNK application from the autumn to the spring. You talked recently there just now of, of decades of data, but in fact, decades ago, the seasons were a bit more stable. We're now in a very, very volatile period and likely to get increasingly so with climate change. Um, does any of this strategy alter because of that? In other words, what you're talking about is getting the plant established and going and moving as quickly as possible. I suppose that's always the case, isn't it? If the, even if we hit a dry spell in, in April, for example, and the plant's well established, at least the roots are there to draw up any moisture they need. Yeah, I think really, I think the, the underlying volatility, volatility that you mentioned, yeah, especially, you know, with our weather systems now, then all that means is that you've got even more um, consideration towards managing risk out of your crop nutrition program. And one of the risks is this availability of nutrient, the drought, the water logging, all of these issues that create challenges for the crop and its establishment mean that to try and manage risk out of that and the impacts of that then i think really timeliness of nutrient applications to really maximize that early spring growth roots and shoots mean that we give that crop the resilience to then oh not you know you're never going to be able to overcome some of it but at least it gives it the best chance to get through those either drought or waterlogged periods um, when they do come along which is pretty inevitable now in terms of the uh, the changes in weather patterns we're seeing well what about the product range and products available and variations of a theme as it were when you're looking at moving to spring applications, it actually widens the choice of products um, for the farmer to use. So you've got two approaches, I think, to consider when it comes to products. Um, products that have got higher end values, but lower P and K and sulfur, where you use one product to do three applications, let's say in a crop of wheat, um, to give all four um, nutrient applications. Um, so that's Products like Yara Miller Extra Grass, so high M, low PKS, one product doing each application of the three. But then the alternative is where you combine that NPKS product with either NS or straight nitrogen products. So in that scenario, you would start your program in the spring with um, the Yara Miller Activa S or 52S as two products there as examples. They're going to give you your starting NPK and sulfur, and then you would follow that application with either another NS product or a straight nitrogen product. So sort of number of options there just broadens the choices for the farmer. Again, I think what it just to highlight when you combine that you're ending up putting all four nutrients on in either two or three applications, depending on the crop. Um, so you're very often saving an application across the field which obviously is fuel, labour costs involved, but then you're getting this additional third of a tonne a hectare by way of um, crop response to that fresh nutrient. So yeah, a number of um, other options uh, open to the farmer there for product choice. 
but again quality of application is everything when we're starting to move that and think about nutrient applications in the spring for immediate uptake we want that nice even application to get across that field and we can do that with that quality product um, from Yara which is the Yara Miller range from a machine that's been properly calibrated absolutely yes yeah don't undo the good work by um yeah poor application i just had a thought we often urge farmers to order ahead so if they're sitting with bags of fertilizer in the sheds it must be tempting at the moment to use it now rather than store it over the winter i'm thinking of everything from space for the combine to potential theft yes and there is that if product is there and on farm then you have you've still got the options there but I would say, you know, we're talking when we when we look at the data, then this is worth about quarter to a third of a ton of hectare by moving your PNK into an MPK slot in the spring um, or just a shift into that spring position. So, yeah, just weigh up the benefits there that, you know, it's that little extra yield and, you know, like always, input costs are high. So big investment you've made. So to maximise the return on that investment, then a bit of storage um, time might just be beneficial in the sense of just driving an extra quarter, third of a ton out of that crop um, in the year. So, yeah, some uh, obviously the temptation is always hard to resist. But, um, yeah, do think about it and think of the, the benefits that might come from trying that. And and again, I've, we've mentioned um, all the all the sort of different ways of doing it here you know if you've got some existing product on farm then it gives you an immediate opportunity to buy in a small quantity of something different which you could then sit side by side and do some comparisons on farm to see for yourself whether there's a different way of doing it so to summarize what are your key messages then I think first and foremost stop and think um, don't just carry on doing what you've always done um, because you can. So stop and think and look at the alternative approaches that are out there. Um, investigate those alternatives thoroughly. So really do spend some time looking at the application rates, looking at the cost of application um, and see, uh, and maybe try some product, just try it for yourself to, to get some on-farm experience. And then if you have been, I think one other one, just to finish off there in terms of the three key messages. One, there's a lot of farmers been doing um, variable P&K over the years, 10 years plus now. For those farms, again, now is a great time to look back at all the data that you've got and see if that system is working. Because over a 10 year cycle of precision P&K, you be, should be seeing those benefits come through in terms of evening up of indices, etc., so that would be a great time now as well to just see and scrutinize the data to see if it's working. If it is, then obviously carry on doing that because you're, you're success. But if it isn't, then again, look back and see what the alternatives or look at what the alternatives might be out there. Thank you, Mark Tucker, Yara's Head of Agronomy. Not so much a case of less haste, more speed, but less haste, better potential cost control. And still on an autumnal theme, next time I'll be discussing micronutrients. So join me, Ken Rundle, in about two weeks' time. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.